welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Hey folks, welcome to a Time Shifters interview special, and this is indeed a special one because well, it's been three, almost four years where I talked to an independent filmmaker that took on the, and we even described it in the interview, a bold, underlined, and capitalized, audacious film project. At the time, it was called The Expedition. It's been released on a couple of different names now, and you'll find it on uh, in the U.S. streaming on Amazon Prime as Extinction. And this was a live-action, like, animatronic dinosaur feature film. <laughs> so this was a guy who was very interesting to talk to. This is Adam Spinks. He's with me again to talk a little bit about this film now, many years past, and some projects that he's uh, done in the interim. So, Adam, thanks very much for joining me again. That is not a problem at all. Thank you for having me. I can't believe it's been such a long time. It has been, and I, I really yeah. feel ashamed it took me this long to catch up on the film. When we talked, I think it was still, well, it was still in post-production, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's, it, you know, we shot Extinction, uh, I think we shot Extinction in 2014. So that that is six six clear years now. We would have been in pre-production six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we uh, we wrapped production in somewhere in twenty. Oh, I don't know now. I want to say we talked in twenty fifteen, maybe. Yeah, because it premiered at Fright Fest in twenty fourteen. Do you know we shot Extinction in twenty thirteen? Oh, okay. It well, premiered maybe. in Fright Fest in twenty fourteen. So I actually think it might be longer than three or four years. Wow. Like. Okay. I think it could be more like five. Yeah, so it's been too long. So yeah, this came up. It popped up. I don't even remember. Oh, I know what I was doing. I was scrolling through all the old pages of posts. I just had rebooted the podcast a few years ago, and I wanted to see when that exactly was. And as I was scrolling through the pages, I hit upon our interview. And so I was like, oh, I forgot all about it. And I played it, and I'm like, I wonder whatever happened to that film. And that's when I started digging around and found it was streaming on Amazon Prime here in the U.S. And so yeah, like, it's, every, it's everywhere. It's like a, it's every, it's like a bad smell. You just, you just can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I watched it that weekend, and and then I you know I mentioned it on uh, on Twitter and saw that you were on Twitter, so I went ahead and tagged you, and you reached out to me and willing to come back and talk about it. Yeah, again, I'd love so. to. It's, I'm always up for. T- I like. I think it's really interesting to revisit something you've done mm-hmm. uh, years later. I haven't watched it probably since 2015. Right. Because I think it's very difficult to watch a film that you've made. Uh, I know I've never sat down to watch one and, in, and enjoyed the experience because you remember the experience of making it. And that comes with all the, all of the kind of downsides of maybe this. So if, like, so if, a, if an audience is really enjoying a scene, obviously like you get a buzz out of that, but then you remember shooting that scene and maybe how difficult that was. Mm-hmm. So you can maybe go, Oh, well actually that, you know, like there's a, a scene in it 
where we just couldn't get the dinosaur to work, for example. So, it, and then people watch it and enjoy it. And I'm, I just remember the experience of wanting to to punch an animatronic dinosaur's lights <laughs> because I just we could not get what we wanted. Um, and it took such a we ran so far over schedule, and it was, you know, all of those things. So um, it's always hard to watch it, but I'm I'm glad you know I get contacted periodically from people that have found the film. Uh, 75% of the time they tell me they think it's terrible, um, which I always find that anyway. I think people spend far more time, if you enjoy something, you don't really reach out to the filmmaker too much. Whereas if you didn't like it, it's very easy to hop on Twitter, isn't it? And, and kind of do a detective thing, but like, I thought your film was terrible. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised when you stepped up and said, uh, said you enjoyed it. And, and I remembered that we chatted before. So it's uh, very kind of you to say. Yeah, no. Um, and it's always nice to hear from someone that liked the film. You know, it's it's all too often that we you, you perhaps hear from people that that took exception. You know, yeah, I was really surprised to just go on like IMDb or something and see that the the user ratings are so low. And I thought, I thought unfairly low. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's that's it, a tough one because I, I so here's the thing: uh, I don't have a lot of time for critics um, because critic there's especially genre cinema in terms of critics like I. You know, it's important that we get the films reviewed because it helps to market and we do, you know, things like that. Uh, for us indie filmmakers, that's a, a vital lifeline for us. But it's very rare that you get a good score from a critic with a low-budget movie because they're expecting something you maybe can't hope to achieve. Right. Um, fans are usually more forgiving. Usually, you know, the, 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 the fans of a film can look past, you know, perhaps the mechanics uh, that you couldn't quite achieve what you wanted, mm -hmm. but you you tried, and, and there's a certain charm to low budget films that fans I think get on a far on a far deeper level than than than, than critics might. Oh, and that's uh, uh, definitely the case for me. Is I there's a, a different lens I suppose I look at something that's done independently versus something that comes out of the the major studios. Yeah, uh, the major studio turns out a movie and it's bad. I'm happy to jump on the soapbox and point out how bad that movie is because there's no excuse. There's totally no excuse because you've got millions and millions of pounds and, you know, you've got, in theory, all the, the world's top resources and yet the story. I often think I can forgive a film that maybe doesn't look great if the story is good. Um, one of the things, though, that I always found was difficult for me is that with some of the comments on Extinction, I, I, it's hard for me to disagree with them. There were certain things, as any filmmaker would be, I think, in their work that they weren't particularly happy with. And there are certain things I think objectively that that I would do better if I did it again. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's that, so it's it's difficult, isn't it? I think um, it's but it, you know yeah the review the, the user reviews are very low, and you, you get to a point I think when you first read them, you kind of get a bit defensive, you get a bit bristly, and eventually you just go, do you know what? Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and if that person was they didn't like it so much, they felt the need to write it, they still had an emotional response to your film, right? Um, so, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't like uh, the ones that sting are the ones that someone says they were bored, you know, mm -hmm. like those are the ones that sting. They go, Oh, you know, they give it three and they go, I was bored and I didn't make it to the end. That's a shame because nothing in the story, they didn't find something in the story for them. And I think that's the ones where, where as a filmmaker, I look at that and go, well, what have they objectively, why did they find it boring? And what can I do next time that helps the audience to, you know, to, you understand if someone doesn't like what you're doing, but you want to make sure that they at least enjoy not liking it. It's perfectly pleasant experience for them, you know. That that's that's tricky. So it's 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 certainly very interesting to 
to kind of have worked on a film that people then really dislike. You know, I've, I've deliberately moved, I suppose, professionally away from films like Extinction. Um, not because I didn't think we couldn't have achieved it. What was frustrating to me is that we could have done better even with what we did have. There was some stuff that maybe made it into the film that shouldn't have mm. in terms of some of the ropier creature work and stuff like that. Right. There was some CGI that did not get my sign off but was put out anyway. You know, so there was lots of stuff that we, like, you know, we, I viewed a cut of the film. I was very strong that the film needed to be as short as possible. The film needed to be short because I didn't think it was ever going to be a particularly intelligent piece of work. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't plumbing the depths of human existence. Right. It was supposed to be your Citizen Kane, right? (laughs) No, of course. It was supposed to be entertaining fun and everything we wanted the film to be when we started writing the script, we needed to have the audience feel like, you know, this, this was an hour and 25 minutes of my life tops i thought you know especially in found footage films i felt that although the script clocked in 115 pages i knew that quite a lot of that would probably go but we felt the need to shoot it anyway and found footage you can often then make jumps and things like that any found footage film for me that goes over 95 minutes is way too long Mm -hmm. um because the 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 format gets tired you know the shorter the better because you keep running into the question why are these people filming um, and if you can't consistently answer that question, then you've got a problem. So, and I felt the longer it went on. And so we had the edit, I think something like two hours. And I said to the guys and the, the director of photography was there. And I think the sound mix was there. And, and I said, I want this down at 85 minutes, really mm-hmm. 25 minutes has got to come out of this somehow more 35 minutes has got to come out of this. So at least. And so we started cutting it down. We got the film to play, I think it was 91, 92 minutes. And I still thought it was a bit slow, slower than I might like, but I was happy that if that's what the distributor liked, I would put my name on it and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time I saw it at Fright Fest, the film was back to 104, whatever, however long it is now. 143, according to IMDb. Yeah, it's not that long. It's not 143 minutes, thank God. Could you imagine? <laughs> um, but it, it, it was something like 104 minutes. 103, 104, which okay. was back up nearly to where we had said we didn't want it. And when I watched it at the premiere and stuff, I remember just thinking, this is really testing my patience and I made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was worried. And then, of course, the reviews came out that were slating the pace. And a lot of the criticisms were, were I think, founded. You know, it was too slow. And But you, you learn these things. You know, one of the things people enjoyed was the character interplay. But then, of course, you can, uh, at some point, you've got to have the creature in it, haven't you? And you've got to have the... Um, you know, it's you know the proverbial's got to hit the fan, and I don't feel we were fast enough out the gate with that. And certainly, the 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 ending scene with the press conference was was not something I would have included in the film. I don't think it worked. I think it was too self conscious, and and I don't know. But you know, you again, this is all six years down the line, and you know, you look back on something, and go, oh, I wouldn't make those creative choices now, right? So it's it's hard, isn't it? But, I, you know, I, I still, you know, it's really enjoyable when people come in and they say, look, especially if people appreciate how, kind of what we tried to do on the budget we have had. Independent filmmaking is so hard, uh, even if you're just blessed with an amazing, you're, you're just lucky, somehow an amazing budget lands in your lap. It, it's still very difficult to, to make a film. I, I've talked to many filmmakers. I have a, a few filmmaker friends. I've seen the trouble that they have to go through. I've it's seen, I've seen yeah. it when it doesn't work. I've seen when things, when they've got half a movie and then something happens and now they got nothing. You know, I've seen it. 
And oh, it's it's tough, especially as indie films tend to get shot slower. So mm-hmm. they either get shot really quickly or they take years. Right. And it's beca- and then you end up with continuity problems, camera problems, crew continuity. Um, you know, people giving up their time for free so so often for free. Um, to work on stuff, which is why after Extinction, my second feature, which actually I shot first, Survivors, came out later in the same year, 2015, uh, later in the in the autumn. I then went back to making short films. Um, and I've spent 2015 through to 2020 making much shorter form content uh, just to really hone my skills, work out my voice as a filmmaker because – Although Extinction was very enjoyable to make, it's not my creative voice, really. Right. Um, you know, to, for, and so I wanted to kind of go and explore what my creative voice was. What am I trying to say with the work that I'm producing? What issues do I want to explore? What do I care about? You know, and what do I, and where do I see myself and really build a plan? And it's only really ending 2019 to 2020 that the feature film gears have begun to turn again. You say that it wasn't your your creative voice at, at the time. You know, the found footage was a fairly hot genre, I guess, among filmmaking. Was it just a matter of, if you don't mind me asking, was it just a matter of you uh, kind of seeing that and going, "Well, I wonder if I can do that too"? Or well, I done uh, so. I like to think, and, and the producer would probably tell you different, but I like to think that I was asked to step onto the film because Survivors had crowdfunded. Uh, in 2012 and survivors is half found footage so i had experience creating found footage narrative storytelling okay so i was approached by the producer with the idea semi in place and certainly at script level the first without going too into it because you know i I don't want to get drawn into into something with that with with that particular producer that would dredge up you know old conflicts as it were but The first draft of the screenplay that I turned in bears very little resemblance to the film as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was much more focused around a legend in the Amazon called the Mapinguari. I don't know if you know the legend, but Mm-mm. it's essentially a one. It's like a sloth monster. Um, it was always going to end with the di- you know the, the whole idea was the producer had come up with a way to do animatronic dinosaurs. He felt in, in a believable way. The audience has judged that maybe that wasn't that <laughs> believable, um, but he felt he could do it. And I said, look, you know, if you feel you can deliver that, then I'll, I'll deliver a story that is good uh, and we'll we'll see where this takes us. And, and um, the first draft of the screenplay focused on finding a village. They were there to, to they were still there to go and stop logging from from memory. This is uh, from memory, but they were still there to, 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 you know, to prevent logging and to raise awareness when they were there, they stumbled across a trashed village uh, in the Amazon. It was like, um, you know, it was an outpost more than anything. And the locals, there was several locals were still around the site. Uh, and they were saying that the Mapinguari had attacked these villages. Um, and Professor John Housen and his team got sucked into tracking this creature for them, only to get sucked into, this was something else entirely. So it's, it was a... You know, so they ended up more motivated. There wasn't a tour guide, you know, right. as it were. Those those characters were met and then the villagers accompanied them to, I think it was a logging company that said, you know, and the villagers, the locals who were, were a part of it, said that they were attacked by the Mapinguari and that the, the logging company wanted it dealt with. So would they 
they got sucked into it basically was the was the story premise and it focused a lot more on Houston's animal tracking abilities along with his team uh, and before you know it then a, a matter of circumstance got them trapped in the forest and then the kind of dinosaur encounters began to grow so I felt it was a much more organic way of, of getting into the story rather than what I think in the film ended up as quite forced but the, the, the uh, what I would say is that the film Extinction was an independent production, but it was not produced in an independent way. Um, it felt very much like working on, on a on on a studio picture, but without any of the resources. So you basically ended. I ended up having the script rewritten for me. Um, I was quote unquote a part of it, but and and because I was, I guess, too young um, to to know different, I I went along with it mm. uh, and ended up shooting a film that. I don't think was the best creatively that I could have done. And looking back on it, I'm certainly sure of that. There were many moments I could have got off the train and I didn't. So it was an important learning experience for me. Right. I was just going to say, it's definitely a learning experience. It's just, unfortunately, when you're a filmmaker, those learning experiences exist for everyone to see your, uh, exactly your, your, your your mistakes or your missteps. Um, and no one really thinks, no one really seems to think, especially these people that are writing these reviews, is that, you know, like you were saying, that you even agree with some of it. And no one seems to really take that into account. And like, No, it's, I don't think any filmmaker's ever gone, yep, yeah, I've smashed that. Right. I don't think, <laughs> you know, I don't think, and everyone's kind of, go, well, put it, your film's never finished, they escape. You know, and we would reshoot every scene until the cows come home if we could make it better, but we can't. Mm-hmm. Because that's not how release schedules work. What I would say is when I'm working in independent production, I don't think I would ever uh, work like that again. Uh, certainly, if I was working, you know, you expect it when you're working for a studio, you know, that you, you've got, you know, the producers are, are saying to you, we want to do this. And, but it felt like for an independent production, there was certainly a lot of rules. Um, and that particular producer has, has gone on to, to do some other work. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm proud of Extinction. I'm proud of everything we achieved. I'm proud of the team that slogged it out for 14 days in on location, you know, um, actually abseiling down to the locations at times, actually, you know, working in, in extremely difficult conditions for extremely long hours and periods of time. I couldn't be more proud of, of the team that made that happen. And that's, I suppose, the element of the production that's not talked about enough. Yeah. You know, there's lots, there's all very well and good if, the, you know, producers put on their website their award winning and they're this and they're that. But if you forget to thank the people that have put you there, um, that, that can be a real shame. So, you know, I think there's lots to be proud of in Extinction, but certainly uh, there's also lots looking back that was a learning experience and things I wouldn't do again. Sure. Yeah, I have to say one of the, uh, one of the big stars of the film was the location. I mean, there was some beautiful scenery. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. And, it was and, amazing. And, you know, it was great. And, to, to, you know, to work in those places was just very, very surreal and very, very humbling. Um, but then, of course, it comes down to, so you want that graded a certain way. And myself and the cinematographer could not have been more disappointed in the final grade of the film, which we had no say in. Mm. So, and it was graded basically red. <laughs> uh, you know it, it felt like it was oh, we need it to look hot so we'll just turn it yellow and red that's not really how the jungle looks and one of the, the big you know we'd come up with a mood board for what we wanted which was to feel saturated the, the, you know the colors should be just really bold mm-hmm. because if you run the risk of it will look like britain if you don't do the right thing and britain's not particularly a vibrant forest environment so if you've got british trees in that in that tree line 
well, we can turn them very green and we can amp up that saturation and amp up these colors and ultimately create this rainforest feeling. Right. Uh, and that was certainly not, not carried over. Am I mistaken? Did I see that it was filmed somewhere in Wales? Filmed it in the Brecon Beacons. Some of it was done here in Surrey. Uh, some of it was done in, in Tunbridge Wells. Okay. Uh, and, and then filmed in, the Brecon, in Wales in, in the Brecon Beacons. Some of the places where you, you, you filmed and everything. It I was fun. See where, it was so fun. It was so you know, fun, but I could to... also see where just someone takes one wrong step. And I have to say, the, you know, the producers on the film worked extra hard. Um, the producer of the film is very outdoorsy and very highly trained in mountaineering, climbing and, and all of that. And, you, you know, you have to credit that person sure. for, for, you know, for keeping everyone safe and doing their job. And, and I don't think anyone ever felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you did all manage to pull together a great cast, too, I think, and a cast that oh, was willing to put up. Oh, the actors were terrific, you know? Yeah, and they were able to put up with everything, and they were willing to, to get dirty, get muddy, and, you know, the makeup yeah, on this thing, you, too. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, what was great about that film is is that we all got dirty and muddy together. We were all dirty at the end of the day. We were all exhausted at the end of the day. We, we you know, when, when we, especially, so when we were in Wales, we stayed in a big farmhouse together. Mm-hmm. So it was very much a family vibe. We had campfire after shooting every day and we would cook, you know, so we would cook some dinner and, and it was all great. And we, we, had, we had such a good time. You know, that, that was a really fun experience. And there was certainly stuff I learned so much about shooting and working on location and, and things like that from it. So there, there was lots to do. And, you know, and what's important is that it ended with a film that, that a lot of people enjoyed and, and had fun with. Yeah. I actually enjoyed, and you know, yes, the uh, the animatronic dino looks like an animatronic dino when you see it well enough, or whatever. But I think there yes. was um, there was definitely some kind of almost um, Jaws esque filmmaking, which I kind of credit to you as you kept it to a minimum. You know, you kind of I, I got the feeling that you saw it and went. If we show this too much, it's going to look too hokey. So, well, that's exactly why I was really disappointed when I found all the footage that had been added back in. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there's a scene where they're looking down over that ledge and it's eating. Right. Um, I mean, it just looks terrible. Right. It, it does look uh, a little bit like something you go to the museum. <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Um, funnily enough, you know, it's now being used as a kids' um, event company thing, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. You know, it wouldn't have made it into the film. I would have put more sticks and stones between me and it. The same way when it's running across the field, mm-hmm. you know, and it just looks like a man in a suit running like a lunatic. Um, I just wasn't happy with that at all. Wasn't happy with the location. Wasn't happy with with how it was building. And, and my whole thing is the less you show, the better it is. Right. And and so that's what I mean with terms of my creative voice. You can see flashes of what I tried to achieve, and then you can almost see where production took over and went no more. And I'm like, we don't need more because it looks hokey. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the so, scariest bits were like uh, when it was nose in the tent. Yeah, that was great. And again, I wanted, I'd rather have had more time to get that movement better. We had a, a puppeteer that was doing his work, but you know, we had to shoot those scenes so fast mm-hmm. that it was just very frustrating. And and you know, it was a, uh, it was a really really frustrating experience because I always, I'm a big fan of Less Is More. The one I was really happy with is the one. We actually went and reshot that because when we did it on principal photography, it didn't work, which is when uh, Simon Burbage's character gets nailed. I was pretty happy with that one. Uh, <laughs> that looked really good, but I wasn't happy with the shot where it swings around. You can see the legs of the animatronic creature in a wide. Mm. I felt like it would have been better for the camera to be dropped and we heard it approach. I didn't feel we needed to see it. 
but when we when you saw just its head, I was pretty happy with that. Right. Because we could give that to a VFX artist and get the lip moving and, you know, put the little uh, element of steam on the on Simon's glasses there. You know, that, that, that gave it a lot. And I was really happy with the scene where she falls into the ravine and she's cut herself. Yeah. Um, and she was, I mean, what's frustrating though is when we shot that, we did it in a single take. And what's frustrating is the version that's in the film carries, for me, very little of the emotion the wonderful actress mm. gave to that scene. Those three actors in that moment did such a beautiful job. Oh, no, it was fantastic. I mean, honestly, and again, a credit to the makeup and everything, too. You're looking at that, and, I mean, honestly... It looks real, yeah, it looks real. It does. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. is that a real gash in her stomach, and they're yeah, just, like, she was, working you know, it and, in? <laughs> and it was, it was the way that she uh, made, you know, Holly Sermon, our makeup artist... She managed to make the blood pump out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so, and I must obviously mention Lucy Friend, our makeup designer who worked with Holly and, and did stuff. Um, and then Lucy gave it, uh, Holly was our makeup artist on set and Lucy designed stuff. You know, they, I think the makeup across the board is my favorite part of the film. And it's, it's a really strong element. And, and that was a moment where threat, and I wish we'd done more of the non-dino related threat. I like the scene where Simon's broken his or dislocated his shoulder. Yes. And we reset that. But again, a lot of that dialogue was improvised, not in the script. And the scene felt too long and overdone. Um, and so every moment feels over-constructed. And one of the important things to me about found footage is that it feels like random. Mm-hmm. It needs to feel like you're seeing something you wouldn't ordinarily see. And so when a, I think a filmmaker, a producer filmmaker like that comes in and tries to over-engineer a found footage piece of work, so that you know you end up with quite almost like a studio style of acting not a naturalistic style of acting that can sometimes be at odds with what you're trying to create and one thing i felt about our lead actress sarah was that she was very she was able to make you feel like she was making it up mm-hmm. and so was simon and so was dan and uh, and you know uh, where and you know there was some moments where because of the way the dialogue was written it felt like we almost had to shoot it in traditional coverage and then justify the found footage element later so the whole film stops at times for these dialogue scenes that I didn't think were particularly necessary. And to a certain extent, they don't really illuminate the characters too much. Um, the characters should be illuminated through, through action. And that was, that's again what I mean about the creative voice. You know, there was, um, I wouldn't have done it that way. So it was always been the less is more for me. And certainly if you go and watch my other feature survivors, less is certainly more in that film. It's much more of a slow burn. Uh, mood piece gotcha. um and the one i'm working on now starting to build up to that we're speaking to financiers and distributors about now is uh is a psychological thriller horror um nice set on three different timelines uh which you realize they're all part of the same story but you don't know how and that we're very excited about that that's very ambitious oh that sounds real interesting yeah. it's gonna be really cool it's it's um it's a real messed up kind of ghost story i suppose to call it that but but uh it's based Mm -hmm. around my belief that places aren't haunted people are haunted so it's kind of takes that ethos and pushes it to the next step nice okay i'll be looking forward to see that you'll yeah i'm I'm hoping i was hoping to shoot it late this year but coronavirus has got other ideas so um it's been pushed back we're we're still speaking to to the distributor here in the uk but it's been pushed back to maybe shoot now in spring 2021 uh, which is great because I've then jumped another short film. Probably my last ever short film is jumping into the queue in September, October this year. I've got a team building together with that, and we are so excited Fine. about that. What is, what's going to? Can you tell me what the focus of that? Funnily is? enough, I can, and it's a monster movie. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I won't give away the title yet, but it's. 
This one is is very inspired by the films I loved growing up, and it follows a dysfunctional family unit on a camping weekend into a remote national forest. It's a very it's a personal story, but um, the monster uh, there's obviously a monster is involved, but I won't I won't say how it's it's got more in common with Annihilation than it's got in common with something like Jurassic Park. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really nice. It feels very fresh. Britain doesn't make this kind of movie very much, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm really pushing forward for that. And we've we've got a VFX artist on board. We've designed our monster from the ground up, and and he's terrifying. And uh, certainly, if I ran into this thing in the woods, I would um, I, I would I would probably need a clean pair of shorts. <laughs> so he's 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 big, but not too big. And we're just about to start casting, and then hopefully some more news will come out. And, and we're shooting in September, you know, coronavirus permitting, of course. Um, but we're putting a socially distanced crew together, a small team. And the great thing about how I like to shoot is I've actually taken away a lot of the apparatus of, of filmmaking. I don't, I don't like to wait an hour for lights, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I like to try and shoot quite quick so that the actors can catch their performance. When it, we need to focus. One of the things that gets forgotten in, in independent filmmaking is the art of acting. And and the craft that goes into that, and what actors need more than anything is time. Uh, and so, if we can give that to them, and the way we give that to them is by reducing the production apparatus. You know, it's very easy to get obsessed with how something looks, and certainly I've been guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with if you don't have a great performance from a talented actor at the heart of your storytelling, then ultimately, you know, you made that shot look great for nothing. Right. So it's it's about push and pull, and. Um, this one is, I think, going to be the ultimate balance of the push and pull. You know, the actors. We're talking to some really exciting talent, so I, I, I cannot wait to tell people more. Excellent, good. Well, yeah, you got me, you got me interested. It's going to be really cool, yeah. And it's it kind of, and I suppose has some of the extinction DNA. You know, like what what attracted me to extinction, why I said yes to the project, was the monster movie element. You know, the I grew up loving movies like Jurassic Park and Lost World, and and you know those eighties and nineties movies. You know, and I just think we've lost some of that in in, in modern filmmaking. The, the sense of wonder and awe, you know, early Spielberg, right. or you know, you know, sort of Cameron at the, the height of his powers. You know, it, we don't have that kind of grounded storytelling. Somewhat in J.J. Abrams, I suppose we do, and maybe Colin Trevorrow to some extent. He's he's different. He's a little bit indie, though, isn't he? And he's got a little bit. You know, his first film, Safety Not Guaranteed, had a good mix of of where he'd come from and his sensibilities, and he's a cracking filmmaker. You know, I, I, I think we we need more films like this, especially coming out of the UK. So hopefully hitting festivals and online mid mid next year. Uh, and by that time, hopefully we'll be shooting something a little longer for everyone to enjoy. You mentioned the lockdown and the coronavirus and everything like that. And that's something that um, it I guess it just wrapped up uh, as far as uh, airing or whatever. It's something you've been working on. You've been uh, uh, the project director of is a YouTube series called Containment. Yeah, that was that was fun. We wrapped up the last episode aired last night premiere. Obviously, it's still on YouTube, so yeah. people can now watch episodes one to eighteen. We ended yeah, up with eighteen. I, I finished watching it last night. Yeah, and people are saying really nice things about it. The, the thing is, we've had over six and a half thousand people see it, and what's happening is a very gradual drip through of people are really enjoying episode one, and then they're subscribing, mm-hmm. and then they're taking their time. So I know people that are watching the show, but they're watching a couple episodes a week now. So they're yeah. still only on about episode ten. I kind of binged it. I, I, it's so nice. I just <laughs> did a ten minute segment, so I was able to. Lock, I would like knocked out five in a in a night. So I'd like over the course of like three days. <laughs> yeah, 
And I think what was really great is like it came from an idea from a lady I've I've worked with. Uh, her, both her sons I've cast in in my work, and so we've kind of got chatting and become really good friends. And and she said, uh, "Look, I've got this idea for this like lockdown short film." Initially, we get a couple of actors, they record at home, and we'll write a script. And I said, "What about?" if we do uh if we expand it and there was talk of doing a feature film and getting all these actors to do storylines and um and so what we ended up happening is we ended up getting 20 actors i think is our cast and we said to them look we want up to 12 installments here's the world of your story but you are free to make up a character oh. uh, i think we had phone conversations with them to make sure we felt that they weren't all doing the same thing mm -hmm. and they were able to reach out to us and get guidance from our two writers i wanted to ask about that are you talking about anna oliver is that the, the creator yeah so yeah. anna oliver is the creator and she she uh funny anna actually got coronavirus um, oh, did she? she ended up getting it and she's still she's still suffering a bit yeah she's um she's still coming through so she not only did this project she was getting creative when she was getting sick mm. um she also was while she was in and out of having treatment and stuff she was speaking to actors and and you know um and making herself available and then when she wasn't available she would just kind of say guys i need to take a couple of days here i just need to get back on top of this thing so we would take over and and kind of speak to whatever actors we needed or or still casting you know some we were still casting for ages we obviously reached out to actors we knew first and then more actors came to find us Right. Um, and we ended, some actors are in and out for three episodes, some stay for the whole series, some joined in the back half, some actors only did one, because we just thought, actually, this world is crazy world. Mm -hmm. We can just have one little, you know, so we've got a, a punk rock musician in a band uh, called The Hyena <laughs> Carpets, and he just does a Q&A <laughs> and pops up, and yes. and when, when his video arrived, we just thought, it's too funny to not include it, and he said, I, 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 I've done this one, do you want any more? And we were like, you know, if you're, if you're too busy, that's fine. You know, this is funny enough. We will put mm -hmm. it in. This is hilarious. This wasn't supposed to be taken too seriously. You know, it was it was supposed to be just really fun and 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 kind of for us to pass the time as creatives and, you know, for these actors to, to do something. creative. One of the things I think is really important is for us all to come out of 2020 having done something. Right. We don't know how quickly projects are going to get start filming again. We don't want to go back filming too quickly because producers especially indie producers need to be sure that things are safe that they're following the guidance as best they can that they're not putting people in harm's way um and that so what it's going to take a while for the confidence to i think gather um you know when productions have started and someone you know a production is brave enough to say well actually we finished and and sort of no one got it and it's having something in 2020 that you've achieved and if if audiences get five minutes of laughs out of it job done you know mm -hmm. it's not been an easy experience for anybody this 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 process and for some people as we talked about earlier you know over in the usa it looks like it's going to go on a, a while longer yeah and possibly this comes back and but one thing we've been pretty firm on there will be no more containment that's it right um, you know if we get a second spike and second lockdown maybe we might do one episode just to revisit the world but mm -hmm. i think the story wraps up so beautifully and the actors you know I, I i said i want you to do your own ending and what's really the only actor that waited was um linda and she wanted to see what all the other we knew she would be in the finale she plays mrs kendrick uh the you know our, our kind of brilliant caribbean windrush lady <laughs> yes. uh who is just the funniest 
she she came in quite late. She said, look, uh, fr- uh, another actor said, I've got a friend who really wants to do it. And we were already, I think, editing episodes seven and eight. Um, and I said, look, you know, hurry up, let's get her in. And she sent me stuff the next day and we, we dropped her straight in. And she ended up being in seven episodes because we, uh, when her videos landed, I've not laughed like that in such a long time. <laughs> she was so great. I, I was like, she's great. And then we realized her character was such an opportunity for learning. Um, and so she, she came up with, you know, that, uh, she, she, I won't spoil the ending, but when she copies a, a popular gesture from another one of our, um, yes. characters, cause she's, you know, and I thought she, she did that on her own. Nice. You know? So she said, I think, and she said, hope it's okay. And I was like, not only is it okay, but it's very timely because we live in, in, uh, at the age where ignorance seems to reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've been able to not only, I suppose, have fun, but somehow make a comment on the nonsense that is social media and the nonsense that is the, these opinions, you know, opinion seems to have overtaken fact and experts opinions seem to, you know, an expert is no longer an expert because this woman on Facebook says she's not, you know? Right. right. And, and that's just, that's all a nonsense to me. So, uh, we were able to do that and I think bring it to a really powerful conclusion and, and six and a half thousand people have watched it so far. And I'm hoping over the next few months, more people, you know, find it and, and binge it and will certainly kind of get something out of that and realize it will end. You know, however bad times are now, they don't last forever. Um, and it's important that we take, we've got to laugh about this or, you know, or, or we'll cry. It's been, to be honest, the coronavirus pandemic for me has been defined by an absolute kind of dereliction of political duty across both sides of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I think our countries share in common at the moment. Uh, and, and certainly, uh, you know, it, that too will pass. Sure, sure. I don't fundamentally believe that Britain, America is, uh, uh, the people of those countries inherently are racist people or bad people or, or ignorant people. But I believe that they, you know, there's certainly elements of these systems that need to be corrected that for far too long and, and trump is i think what's that phrase from from the dark night you know the night is darkest just before the dawn mm. and i feel like trump is is where the night is darkest there, there there are many of us that hope so we hope there's light at the end of this i feel that it is it's going to achieve a new dawn mm-hmm. where i think the world's going to come back together and and realize these views are outdated they belong in the past leave them there we'll build a new a new world built you know and i think that change is i'm fundamentally hopeful for change because i teach young people you know and i'm sorry to get all philosophical here but um (laughs) you know if i teach young people one thing is they they care about the environment more than even we do Mm -hmm. and certainly more than the older generations do and think of the change that's going to be generational the the, you know these these views are going to pass on as as their generation fades from influence Right. So in 30 or 40 years, when the, the young people now are, are in positions of power around the world, you can only imagine how great that will be. Oh, yeah, that is definitely my hope and, and kind of the, the thing that gives me hope. And it's, and, and it's how inclusive they are and how wonderful they are to each other and, and how tolerant they are. You know, and, and certainly whenever I, I, know I teach them every, every weekend and, and I learn something new about, you know, about a new way of looking at something. And it's up to us as, as the generation between the generations to kind of try to learn from people younger than us, which goes against what you're taught as a child, which is you should respect your elders and listen to what they've got to say because they've learned more. Right. 
But actually, at this point in time, we're at a tipping point, and I, we really need to, I think, listen to what young people have to say because they they really are right about the environment and they are right about being tolerant. They're they're right about more than we are, unfortunately. Well, that is something to go back into containment a little bit. Uh, it's something I really appreciated and I enjoyed. And it, I love the fact that you kind of gave the actors a lot of free reign to create these characters as we had, there was such a great cross-section of people, all the different types of people that you know, we encounter, you you see on social media, you hear about on the news, all are kind of represented, or at least most are represented here in the, in containment. Yeah, and to see them do their little video, their vlogs, their their, their video diaries, or whatever, um, and see how how they each individually deal with effectively what we are, what we were, and what we are going through was very interesting. I, I, that's what I enjoyed most about it. Yeah, and that was what we tried to do. We wanted to create the sense, I suppose, that uh, you'd seen these people before. We wanted to get a broad cross-section, you know, diverse casting, ensure that people were, you know, everyone was represented in some way. Uh, even if we couldn't get a character, there were a couple of characters we didn't manage to cast in the end that we were really looking for. Um but then what we were able to do is speak to the actors and say, look, we're not really getting this at the moment. And they were able to bring a little something, a little part of that spirit into what they were doing, mm -hmm. which I thought was really compelling. Uh, and we were, so we were able to, you know, through writing as we went and filming as we went, we were able to, to, to achieve things, I think, to create this, this broad cross-section feeling. And there's a little something in there for everyone, you know? Yeah. I think the one that... Um probably the one I could kind of relate to the most. And I, I, I don't know the character's name. Um, I thought I had the actress here. Uh, she was the, the young woman that was getting ready. Uh, uh, Charlie Burridge Jones, I think was the actress. Charlie Burridge Jones. She's the one with curly brown hair. The curly brown hair. She was uh, going to restart her life. Yeah. She was going to, her and her friend were like going to go to a, a farm in Australia or something yeah. and work the farm and they, she was getting ready to do everything. And then the lockdown happened and she was stuck and she just, you know, she didn't have a job. She, yeah, she, she was just lucky to have a place apart, to live. And, yeah. And I was like, wow, how many of us can relate to that? Especially people on the creative front. Do you know? And, uh, and I, I sent it to Charlie and said, look, do you, she said, I've got an idea. I'll send it. And she sent me all her videos. She shot them all across one day. Um, so, and she just sent me all her videos. And when I put the arc together, I was like, that's so lovely. So we knew where it was going. Uh, so she, she, she's a fan. She's a wonderful actress. Did a really great job. And, and I think that shines through in, in, in the, um, in, in the piece. She's great. Oh, absolutely. I, cause you really feel for her. I mean, you really, you, you feel, you know, upset that, I mean, the, the, this is a woman, you, it really comes through that this is a woman that really feels like her life is crashing down, but yeah. And not to give too much away or anything. It wasn't the end. <laughs> yes. And that's part of the very important message at the end of containment that I'll let people discover it for themselves. And, but, um, it certainly has a very important message philosophically that we can all take away from this. Yeah. Um, this whole experience of real world. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of, uh, you in introduced or included a lot of the younger, like teens too, which I thought was important. Yeah. Because one of the, you know, and the fact that a teenager ends our story, um, mm -hmm. she, she is the full end to our story. When she sent that video through, I didn't know what to expect. When she sent it through, I just thought it was wonderful and sums up, 
exactly how we need to move forward now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, gives people a lot of, of hope. And I think, you know, it's very easy to make a pandemic film or whatever about, about misery. And we wanted it to be not that. It, it, you know, it can't, it, they got to have a bit of that, but it can't be defined by that. Because, right. the, the, the you know, we can turn on the news and get that. Right. Um, yeah. So, I don't, you know, I don't, we want to give people a little something more. There was definitely a, a time or two where I was thinking, oh, God, they're not going to, are they? <laughs> and I'm so happy. And that was, that- you know, especially, you know, we wanted to play that. We really waited till episode 17 to play that card. Yes. Um, <laughs> with the with the guy, with the dog, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, we won't spoil where that goes, but. You know, so there's there's certainly a bit of will they won't they, and the other option you could you could argue is if the characters big didn't appear again, does that mean they survived or not? Mm-hmm. So there's certainly an element of that. Do, you know, what people choose to put online fascinates me. I think the very act of of vlogging, in some way, creates not narcissism is the wrong word, but it's it's a, it's quite a vain thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then how people behave, what's their persona, and then when does that break? And that certainly gave us a very interesting, dramatic angle on that. You know, there's certainly when, when people are in charge of their content, they're certainly acting to some degree. But when they stop, you know, when does their emotion take over? And when does the when does the front come down? Right. I think you saw that a little bit with the characters like uh, uh, the character of Magsy Carter. Oh, she's great, was, isn't she? she? She's fantastic. Oh, okay. I, believe me, I, I even mistakenly thought her name was Maxie. But it was Magsy. But I yeah. was like, man, if she doesn't come out of this, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> she was, and she's she um, she was great. And she's got she's done some quite big stuff this side. So to even get her on board was was just such an honor for us. And she's yeah. just wonderful. Anna Maria, Anna Marie Everett, Anna Maria Everett is just she's just a a, a, a legend. So yeah. you know she's been so wonderful and so supportive and promoting the the project every day and you know, really got on board with, with bringing as many people in as she can. And, and that's been sort of, it, she's so in the spirit of collaboration here that, that it's just, it's fantastic to be a part of with her. Yeah. I like that you're, you included the comedy, but it wasn't, it was comedy that was still well within the realm of like, Oh gosh, I think I know people like this, uh, especially when it comes to Ashley. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's based on uh, So the actress, Melly Crossy, she phoned me and said, I'm, I'm stuck. I've got this half an idea. And I said, look, you know, I was, I've been on those, those local forums, you know, and we've got one in our local area. And there was these people on there that week who were looking out their windows going, Oh, is that person, uh, you know, and they were worrying that people were kind of, kind of out and about without the lockdown. And there were certain, certain, certain people taking it upon themselves to like ring the police on their neighbors. <laughs> in this, and, and I said, we've got to, we've got to parody that. Like it's so funny. Why are mm-hmm. you why are you doing that? Focus on you. And whenever I said that to anyone on these forums, they were like, You just want more people to die and I'm like, That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about you, you know, you do you because it's what you can focus on. Um but people get really into this mudslinging online and, and all of that and I, I said, We've got to have a cat so so off she away she went and and she she came up with Ashley Watch and, and, and off we and when they arrived, I've not, again, I've just, every time someone sent some stuff in, I was just laughing like, there's so much we can do with this. Oh, it's fantastic. You call it a parody, but what I love is it's, it's just a little bit of a parody because it's, it's still well within the realm. It's like, oh, this person exists. 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely. These, these people all exist in some way. They're all based on people we all know. And I said that to the actors: find a person you know, and 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 take the mic, but mm-hmm. kind of do it in a believable way. So the audience initially think, "Is this a joke?" So of course, my my favourite character is the, the one we all hate, which is uh, Truth Bomb Tony. Tony, oh Tony, Truth Bomb, <laughs> that guy. He um he's obviously based on Nigel Farage, isn't he? But he's also, I've seen people like that online. They just yep. do these videos just spouting this nonsense. And they get really into their own hype. And he said to me, do you mind if I go there? And I was like, mate, go there. Oh, absolutely. You had absolutely, to. Absolutely go there. And, and you end up laughing more. And the idea of his character, I suppose, is that you laugh at him mm-hmm. until you realize it's not that funny. Because there are people out there. Th- these views exist. And so actually it's pushed the audience into thinking, hang on a minute, I almost quite like the guy. Yeah. And yet what he's saying and what we tried to bring back in the finale is that his words, people like him, have a, have a consequence. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a ripple effect that can go through society and create ignorance and persecution and misinformation. And, and so we, he, we, he was able to turn into such a great tool for learning um, as well, you know, and to, to kind of, create a viewpoint maybe the audience were a little uncomfortable in being in the very end and go oh hang on a minute i quite liked him but i see you mm-hmm. know and then we all realize maybe we've fallen for this fake news you know this misinformation trap that exists out there on many levels and we, we just need to try we've got a responsibility i think to inform ourselves better before we judge things I had so much fun watching it and watching all these people. And it is, I find myself kind of like, I understand that this is a very finite kind of story that you can tell, but there are so many of these characters. It's kind of like, I would subscribe to that channel because I would want to keep watching them. You know, and if, as I say, you know, if there is a second spike, maybe we'll do a, a catch up with the world of containment. Um, but I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think it's, it felt very finished, you know, um, there would have to be a compelling reason to revisit the story. The, the beauty of it is maybe it could live in a different form. Certainly, you know, the world is rich enough to have thousands and thousands of characters out there. Yes. So, it, it you know, I, it has been discussed. We've talked about ways to carry it on. Um, but I just don't think its relevance will last. Right. No, no, of course not. Um, and that's so, you know, perhaps we'll we'll do a catch-up episode at some point, maybe, but but I don't, I don't think so. That was actually something that I, I was telling someone about this, and you know, uh, I feel like it comes out kind of where in the UK you're seeing, you know, you're opening up and with some confidence, you you can have your 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 get-togethers and that sort of yeah. thing. Where here in the US, I'm looking at some of this and going, this could be uncomfortable for a lot of people because we're still knee deep in it. Yeah, and I, you guys are, are having a rough time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but again, I think that it will pass. I think now that your second spike is really still your first spike, yes. um, I feel like they're going to have to do that. You know, the, as we've said about this, this leadership, they're going to have to do something about it. And because I think people will get rightly very upset, um, that it's not dealt with. But again, this comes down to, and a lot of the things shows got to say are about misinformation and, you know, online people believing that they shouldn't be in a lockdown and, you know, then you get these anti-lockdown lock protests and you just think, guys, it's, if you sit in your home for eight weeks, your rest of your life is unchanged. Right. And so although it was tough, it was very tough to sit in our houses and only go out for a run once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we we did it and and to some extent it's not gone well here let's be fair britain's had a rough time but it's you know feels like it's passing this this is probably not going to age well you know i'll probably turn on the news in a minute and there's a million new cases or something but right um you know it feels it will pass and that's the important message at the end of containment and i would urge anyone in the u.s to, to watch to the end because if you're not through it yet the the, the you will it you know things will get better you know things will pass not all bad things don't last forever Exactly. No, it, it does. It provides a little bit of it, it does show that there's, you know, there is hope and, you know, all these people's lives uh, changed and some of them grew from what happened. And some some actually all grew uh, just, you know, some not necessarily in the right direction, but there there is yeah. growth among everybody. They all changed. They all, they all changed. changed a little bit, didn't they? Um, there, there is moments where you will laugh out loud. There are moments where you'll just groan and it's definitely worth yeah. a, a watch. And it's an easy watch. Like I said, they're just little 10 minute, less than 10 minute segments. Yeah. We tried to keep it under 10 for everything. Yeah. So they're very easy. If you just want to binge it all, you can, if you just want to watch one every now and again, also just real simple, but, uh, definitely yeah. worth checking out. Well, I'm glad people have enjoyed it and I hope more people continue to enjoy it. The series is not going to get taken down. So it will be Great. on my YouTube channel for all time or until, until you know, YouTube takes it down. But yep. um, it will be there. for we're, we're working on maybe trying to get it on Amazon Prime as well. Um, nice. Speaking to a distributor about just getting it out on there so that people can find it a different way. Great. We've got a Facebook page, Containment, uh, and people can interact with us, come and tell us what they think, leave us a review on IMDb. It'd be lovely um, so that we can get our ratings a bit up on IMDb and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Good. And I'll have a link in the show note directly to your YouTube uh, channel so people Amazing. can check it out. That'd be incredible. But I think with that, I'm going to let you have your afternoon back. Adam, thanks very much for talking with me again. That's no it's problem. been a lot of fun. Absolute pleasure. And let's 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 not wait six years next time. I think it is six. I was checking as we run. I think it's six. Six years. It may be. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not. As soon as you this, this next short film that you got comes out and is available for people to watch um, – I will yeah. try my best not to lose track of you again. <laughs> I will. Well, I, shall, I, shall, I shall try to tweet you on a semi-regular basis. Let's do that. Excellent. Yeah, cool. Keep me posted. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, and this has been a blast. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. Speak soon.